Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You make that a bastard! Where'd you get your feet? Jesus Christ! One gamba to alley. This is the Dave Duke Podcast. I'm gonna love you forever, forever and ever, amen. And I suppose that's why I'm a DJ and not a singer or a pop star. How you doing? My name is Dave Duke. This is episode 11 of the Dave Duke Podcast. And you are so welcome to what is going to be a very insightful podcast the past the present the future the pitfalls the positives the elation the depression the life of a DJ the reason I think the timing is right on this is because you might be aware that I will get to play Sea Sessions, Surf and Music Festival in Bundoran, County Donegal, next Sunday, the 18th of June, and it's a very big deal. Of course, it's of no bigger deal to anyone else than to me, but it does give me an opportunity to give you an insight into how this started, the journey, the shit that has happened along the way, and some of the stories behind being a DJ. Where I started. About 15, 16, 17. It's a bit hazy. Those ages. They kind of all mash in towards each other. But the first gigs that I went to were nothing to do with DJing at all. Other than my mate was a DJ and I used to go along with him. Kieran, aka Craze K, was the top DJ. There wasn't a function due, wedding or wake that that man wasn't part of. And if he wasn't part of it, then it wasn't worth going to. 
whether it was a 16th, an 18th, a 21st, a 30th, a christening, a confirmation, a separation, a jubilation, he was there. And I was one side of him, looking on in awe at the twiddling of knobs and the people going fucking apeshit to Maniac 2000. And I thought, I want a part of that. But not before I used him as an excuse to get out of the house to go drinking. I came from a strict enough household. Not super strict, but strict enough. Didn't want me going on the beer at 16 and understandably so. They're worried about this weird cub. What is he going to become? He's going to get the shite hammered out of him for being weird. Let's not let him out too early. Let's get a bit of muscle on him and then he might be able to fend for himself. So instead of saying to my parentals and guardians, hey, I'm going on the beer, I would say, I'm going DJing with Kieran Milanov. And they would go, oh, interesting. That's a job? Yes. Why does he need you? To carry equipment? Okay, you can go. And I would go with Kieran, and I'd carry fuck all equipment because I was a lazy shit. But I would assist him. Is that the correct word? I would accompany him. I don't know if I was of any assistance, but I'd head off with him to the aforementioned 18th, 21st, 30th, play to Spanish students in Sligo. We'd go anywhere. We'd go to Kinlock, Bundorn, Balashan, Garrison, Bleak, Grange, Cliffney, Manor Hamilton, Bell Coo, anywhere. Anywhere. And I'd go along with him, and I got to learn the ropes of DJ. What it took. The long hours. The late nights, the early mornings, and some in between. The first ever gig I did on my own, paid, official gig, was actually to Spanish students in Sligo. I wasn't encroaching on Kieran's territory. It was another mate who I bought decks off that hooked me up with this place in Sligo. And... Every time I walk past it, and I've had the opportunity to walk past it a good few times, I stop and I reminisce and I think, this is where all this started. The crib on the Garavogue River in Schlagel. And my first ever gig was for 70 euro in a check. And it was for playing to about 60 or 70 Spanish students in one of the sweatiest rooms known to man on a summer's evening. And I was elected. I'll never forget that feeling of being a DJ and people dancing to the music that you're putting on. And they fucking lapped it up. Bear in mind, these are Spanish students. And they needed Spanish music. So I had to do about 10 to 14 days research of what they were going to dance to. I went through all the Spanish iTunes charts no Spotify at the time. I went through what was popular on YouTube in Spain. I went back through old singles charts, you know, what was number one for the most amount of weeks in Spain, etc., etc. The Macarena. Of course that was going to go down well. I'd done a lot of research. And I turned up with my speakers, carried them up the stairs, set them up, set up my new decks. CD player on your left-hand side, CD player on your right-hand side. I was using all CDs, by the way, and a little mixer in the middle. Little did I know that the mixer was fucked and that 
if you played for any more than an hour and a half or two hours in a sweaty room full of Spanish students, that the mixer would turn off and would be very temperamental. I learned the hard way, but I got through the first gig, got paid, and I have never looked back since. That was the concrete, cocksuredness gig to tell me, this is what we're doing, baby. DJing is for us. From that, I tried to hustle my way into places. Tried to establish myself as a mobile DJ. Bought more speakers. Bought better decks almost instantly. Changed to DJing on a laptop. Couldn't be dealing with CDs. Too heavy, too bulky. They're going out of fashion. Moved to laptop DJing. Best move made. And my second big break came in 2013, where a competition was put up online to play a slot at Oxygen. Holy shit. Ireland's biggest festival at the time. It was the 10s, early 10s, late noughties, early 10s version of Electric Picnic. It was a big deal. But the way you had to win the slot at Oxygen was a like competition. You see a few of them now. At the time, it was pretty inventive and pretty new. You submitted a mix. If your mix is good enough, it was judged. You got through to the final. And the final was get as many people to like your mix as possible on Facebook. Got through to the final and the Hustle started. Adding people on Facebook just to message them then as soon as they accepted the friend request. Hey, I don't I, I know you don't know me, but could you please like this because it's a massive opportunity. So over a twenty four to thirty six hour period, I hustled and hustled and hustled. And then more friends came in on board, and at one stage there was five people at a table on laptops on phones, messaging everyone that was online, please go and like this. And eventually I ended up on the mix with 1,100 likes, won the fucking competition, got the slot. We're going to Oxygen, baby! The same year Pitbull was playing, I remember hearing him from a distance. I thought it was too cool for Pitbull at the time. Would you believe that? I would absolutely be honoured to meet Pitbull or DJ for him now let me give you a flavour of who was playing Oxygen in 2013 till you hear the names that I was playing alongside David Guetta, Calvin Harris Snoop Dogg Alesso, Nicky Romero met him John Gibbons was there that year would you believe Duke Dumont Dimitri Vegas and Like Mike Iggy Azalea, they were all there And who was also there? Dave fucking Duke. What a time. So rock down to Oxygen on the Friday and I shit myself the whole weekend thinking about this gig on the Sunday night. And I did it and it was to an estimated 5,000 people because all the other music was finished so everyone went to the silent disco it was the final night too so everyone was trying to squeeze the last few minutes of joy out of their festival ticket and their bodies and I played for half an hour and 
it's a feeling that you'll never forget. Came off stage and thought, I am going to be Ireland's biggest DJ. There's no looking back now, boys. Who the fuck is going to say no to someone who's played at Oxygen 2013? Couldn't be more wrong. Nobody gave a shit. (laughs) Not one nightclub in the country thought, fuck, you know what? That Dave Duke guy, he's established himself as a DJ. Let's get him in. Except for the local nightclub, where a new manager was in charge and trying to shake things up, seen what I had done and approached me, would you play in this nightclub? And I thought, yes, yes, I would. So that became a first nightclub residency. Jumping Jacks, Bundorn, County Donegal, where I still have great fond memories of the place. R.I.P. to the club it used to be. I had some of my best nights of my life in there. I've had some of the worst gigs of my life in there. Started off building the reputation. There's a new DJ in town. There's a new night in town. More and more and more people coming every Saturday night. We were trying everything from VIP service to getting more invested in social media. It was a very exciting time to be 20, 21 and have such investment in a nightclub. Not financially, mentally, physically. And for yourself, you wanted to be good. For yourself, you want to have crowds in front of you, so you're always trying new angles. How can we get more people into here and more people will see me and then this might progress my DJing career. There was a great nightclub war at the time. I've spoke about it on the podcast before. One night we were giving away a holiday to Ibiza. And just before the holiday draw, didn't the fucking power go in the nightclub? It had a habit of doing it, but it had never had done it at such a pivotal moment. So the nightclub is absolutely rammed. People are there with their tickets. The owner has to ring an electrician to come out of his bed. He comes down, rushes down, but by the time he gets it back and going, it's about ten past three. The nightclub should be long finished. But the owner tells me, play on. So some people had left the nightclub, went up the street, into the rival nightclub. It had finished, they'd come down the street and heard the music still going. So I didn't finish that night. I think until quarter to four, the draw was done, someone won their holiday. An amazing night. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Oh my God, this is shit. The power is gone. I can't DJ. Everyone thinks there is something massively wrong with me. Why am I just standing there? Then they realize, okay, it's a power issue. Then they fuck off and come back. And what a finish it was. Then there were some changes in the fortune of that nightclub, as happens. And towards the end, I had some of the worst gigs ever. I had a mental breakdown and the DJ box one night my rule of thumb is that Maniac 2000 isn't played till near the very end if you're going to play it at all and this girl was in one night and she would not shut the fuck up about Maniac 2000 play Maniac 2000 it's only 12 o'clock we're here till 3 settle your shit play Maniac 2000 play Maniac 2000 then the fella comes up play Maniac 2000 man Maniac 2000 fuck off but I broke and I played it 12 o'clock 
to about 50 people in the place. And I played it again. And again. And again. And on the sixth go, she came up and demanded that I stop playing it. And I nearly got into a fist fight with her fella. You fucking wanted it played. I'm fucking playing it. And you're still not fucking happy. It was a mental breakdown in the DJ box. But you can only push a man so much to play Maniac 2000 at that early of the night. Before he loses his fucking shit. And lost it I did. There was nights I went in and put on the mix. I'd always have a mix for the start of the night. You want to test the speakers. You'll have an hour mix. You want to maybe chat some of the bar staff. Whoever's in the cloakroom. Security. You know, the doors have only opened five minutes. It's going to be a quiet night. You might see no until one o'clock. So you'd throw on a mix from half eleven to half twelve. And then you'd go DJing. But there was one night things had got so bad in the nightclub. That the mix done nearly the entire night. So I would... Look at the time, put on the hour mix, go out to my car, sit in it, wait for the hour, go back in, restart the mix, go back out to my car, check the time, go back in, put on the mix again. There'd still only be about five people in there. It was highly unprofessional of me at the time. And I go back out to the car. And I remember one night coming in and finishing off one song playing the national anthem. And almost crying at how bad the gig was. My top tip to young DJs is don't do that. If you have to play to an empty room and mix songs, just give it your all, give it your best. There's some nights that will make you question why the fuck I'm doing this. But you just have to grin and bear it and do it and DJ. Highly unprofessional of me at the time, but it is... An indicator of how things had went in there and eventually then it turned into more of a late night bar and eventually it closed. R.I.P. Jumping Jacks. You were the goat. You are no longer with us. Now it's a span. It actually looks amazing. The DJing is a funny game. There are so many positives but along with everything there comes negatives. But let's focus on the positives first of all. The fucking buzz you get of DJing a good night. I have nothing to rival it. I don't do drugs. Cocaine, MDMA, ketamine. No. I know alcohol is a drug. But no class A or class B drugs for me. So the next biggest high... I think you can achieve is playing to a full house and DJing well and everyone having a good time and you being responsible for it. There are nights that when I've stepped out of a DJ box, stepped down off a stage and felt invincible. I could go for another 45 hours. No bother, son. It's that much of a buzz. Such a high. Another positive is that it's an outlet to express yourself. I don't paint. I can't sing. I have the radio show, which comes with its own beauties and stresses. But DJing 
it ties in nicely, but it's its separate entity. You can dance. You can joke. You can shout on the mic. You can uggy, uggy, uggy. Oi, oi, oi. It's a form of expression. It's an outlet for creative expression. I'm not saving lives. I'm not painting Picassos. But I'm soundtracking a lot of people's nights in some really cool venues. Other positives that go with it. Those are the main two. There are negatives. Your weekends are gone. If you want to take DJing seriously, if you want to do a lot of it, say goodbye to your Saturday nights and your Sundays and some of your Fridays too. That's just a reality. It comes with the territory. Unfortunately, you're going to miss functions. You're going to miss some family time. There are important events that you're going to miss out on. Festivals. Bank holiday weekends. Good luck. What are you doing for the bank holiday? Oh, I'm going to have a barbecue. Going to catch up with family. Going to go for a few drinks. Forget about it. You're a fucking DJ, mate. You're wanted. Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Get on it, son. There's also that fear. Why not just turn down some gigs? The fear is... Well, if I turn down this one, maybe it's the first time playing in this venue and this could lead on to other gigs. If I say no now, am I essentially turning down 10 gigs in the future? So you're trying to say yes to so much work. Not because of the exact gig that you're doing that night, but potentially other doors that it might open. Other negatives is the tiredness that comes with it. If you're driving two hours to a gig... And then you're doing three and a half, four hours. And then you're driving back. Those late nights take toll. Take a toll. The clock watching of a Saturday. If you aren't doing anything during the day. All you're doing is watching the clock. What time is it now? What time do I have to be eating at? What time should I have my clothes ironed at? What time am I having my shower at? What time do I need to be in the car? What time do I need to be there for? What time am I playing at? Time, 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 time. Nine, 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 nine. Time is of the essence all time, at all times. You could wake up at nine o'clock of a Saturday morning and you're watching the fucking clock the whole day until you leave the house to go digging. But I'm complaining, but I understand it goes with the territory. Maybe you're a night shift worker and you're like... Look at this crying bastard. Giving out about having to watch the clock when I work evenings every night of my life. Shut up, Dave. I will. I'll move on. The contrast in DJN, the biggest, is the loneliness that goes with it. I don't know if it's hard for you to imagine, but I'm going to ask you too. You are on stage for three or four hours to 50, 100, 250, 500 people and you're entertaining them and they're hanging off your every move. What's he going to play next? Oh, I wonder will he play that? I might send in an old cheeky request to him. Dave, Dave, Dave. 
You've no idea how many times I hear my name of night. Dave, 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 Dave. And then, silence. You're in the room, on your own, eating a sandwich, thinking, has that happened at all? I've been stood in front of five, six, seven, eight hundred people for three, four hours. High as a kite on life, on adrenaline, on happiness. And now I'm alone, in the car, driving for two hours. Loneliness. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to speak with you again. Some nights I get it worse than others. And I've no explanation. I suppose whatever mood you're in, whatever day you've had, whatever week you've had, sometimes it'll hit you harder. Sometimes you're absolutely delighted to be alone. In a quiet car. No music, no podcast, nothing on. The only sounds you can hear is the tyres on the road. And you're driving home to get into a bed after a good night's work. Such a contrast. It's hard to get to sleep too on the big nights. Sober or drunk. It is part of the reason that I will have a few drinks at some of the gigs. Is that I'll sleep better and quicker after them. That does sound problematic. But once again I feel it comes with the territory. You know if you have a few bottles of beer, that you will probably fall asleep quicker than a gig where you're staying over at a hotel or accommodation and you're stone cold sober. It's very hard to get to sleep after doing a DJ gig, whether you had the best night of your life or there was 10 people there. It's going to be hard to get to sleep. So those are some of the positives and negatives. You're missing out on a lot of stuff that happens at the weekends, families, family stuff, dues, functions. You don't have as much time for the people that you love because of what you do. Positives, the fucking buzz, an outlet to express yourself. People tend to appreciate what you do. Highs and lows, baby. Highs and lows. One of the questions you might have, is DJing hard? No. DJing is absolutely simplistic. You play a track that people like and you play another one and you play another one. DJing is fucking simple. You know what's hard? Being good at it. That's hard. And it's only in the last couple of years that I can truly hand on heart say I am a very good DJ. I've been at it for 10 years. Only the last two I can say I am... Very good. (laughs) And you might think, what a cocky prick. Saying, oh, he thinks he's a very good DJ. No, I know I am. But it took a lot of time to get to that point, didn't it? Ten years and only the last two, I can say, you know what? I'm actually, I'm actually alright, lads. I can actually hold my own. I can string a few tracks together. But your confidence does be tested on nights. It's funny that you could play... 50 songs in a row in the same order 
in one nightclub to 500 people and they absolutely lap it up. The next week, in a different nightclub, you could play the exact same 50 songs in the exact same order and the floor might empty. You tend not to let that happen. You don't go in with a set list before a gig. Some people actually think that I literally know what I'm playing at 11 o'clock. I'll know what I'm playing at half 11, 12 o'clock. I know every single track in order. I used to do that. It's a fucking disaster. It's a no-hoper. For C-sessions, a gig like that, I'll have a good idea. These are the 20, 30, 40 tracks I'm playing. For a night in Duns and Carrigan Shannon, where you're playing 110, 115 tracks. In Downing's in a nightclub in Castle Blaney or Galway, Sligo, Mead, you name it. If I'm going into a nightclub, I have plenty of music, but I don't know what I'm playing in what specific order. Of course, you might have finishing tracks like M and MacDonald, This Is The Life, I like to finish on that. Mr. Brightside, some nights I like to finish on that. You'll have big tracks for certain times a night, but don't think that I know 100 tracks and playing them in this exact order from start to finish. With that, there is some questions on DJN. Would you believe? Emer, who loves the pod, thank you. What's the song you hate that people request all the time? Emer, funny enough, it used to be Maniac 2000, as you might have gathered from this. I've softened my approach on that. It used to be Wagon Wheel by Nathan Carter. I wanted to fucking strangle Nathan Carter for covering Wagon Wheel and for making it so popular again. Because I despised that song. Once again, I've softened my approach on that. There are some nights where the mood is right and the culties are in and you drop <laughs> that wagon wheel version by Nathan Carter and they lap it up. Num, 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 num. So I don't have a specific song at the moment that I'm like, for fuck's sake, fuck off. It's never to do with the actual song that people request. It's always to do with how they request it. I will never bark or lose temper with someone who asks for a song nicely, politely, in a mannerly way. Could you play this? Puts up their phone and goes, yeah, it's the insistent fuckers who are adamant that you should play their song. When you know better, it's going to empty the floor. It's going to go down like a lead balloon. It's it's not the right type of night. It's not the right time of night. These thick fuckers do not, not calculate what they're asking for. Can I give you an example? Say something really fast and hot and heavy and it's a bit mental. You're not going to play that at 11 o'clock at night when people are only getting going. You're going to play that towards the end of the night. But people come in and they're on a buzz. They're way beyond everyone else in terms of their timing of their night. They're yipped out of it. You, your jaws go 90. And they're like, yeah, man, fucking play my song. Fuck off. Not till later. And you'll probably have the jaw completely mangled off yourself by then if you don't slow down. So it's never about a song that someone requests. It's always the approach that people take. Don't grab me. Do not touch me if you can get near me. Do not, do not touch the material. It's very invasive. You're a bit of a wanker if you go grabbing shoulders or I've been 
dragged back by a t-shirt before for someone looking for a request, you wouldn't do it in a shop. You wouldn't do it in a bar. Why would you do it to the DJ? Why? So to answer your question in a roundabout way, no song in particular, just the approach to a request being asked of me. If I continue to speak any more about DJing, I feel I'm going to stray into nerdy stuff about equipment and reading nights and reading a dance floor, which the vast majority of people don't give a fuck about. I might do a bonus podcast down the line about my ethos to DJing. Picking tracks, reading the floor, what works well at what type of night, what to be on the lookout for, the trends. But for now, I think we move on and upwards. And as always, questions are more than welcome. Mr. Dave Duke on Instagram. Watch out for me at C-Sessions. I'm actually playing the Dome nightclub in Bundorn on the Saturday night. If you want a pre-party to that, it's going to be an amazing weekend in Mundorn. It's going to be an amazing weekend at the Phoenix Tavern and the Dome in Mundorn because it's the closest pub to the C-Session site. So it's the place to be, boys. See you on the dance floor. Now it's time for the gospel. Today's gospel is not from Dave Duke to the Dave Duke podcast but it's from Ashleen from Kilmacrennan to Dave Duke and the gospel reads Hi Dave big fan big fan Dave you gotta help us out Ashleen and Shay here two Donegal folks currently living in Australia like everyone and their mother Got talking about Snake Out on iRadio from a couple of years back. We used to listen to it all the time when we first started shifting. Please tell us you'll be sound and bring it into the podcast in some way. Or is there some way we can still listen to those segments? Honestly, iRadio was great, but Snake Out and Pimp My Parish, that was a bit that was on the breakfast show years ago, were hands down the best parts of the whole day. And we still speak of them to this day. Maybe worth mentioning to earn myself some brandy points. I rated your podcast five stars on Apple Podcast. Left a generous review and told family and friends to give it a listen too. Many thanks. Ashling from Kilmacrennan. To those unfamiliar with the ways of Snakeout, I used to be on the nighttime show on iRadio called The Hub. It ran from nine to midnight. And of a Wednesday at ten o'clock, we used to do Snakeout. And the idea was that if you had someone you wanted to call out, I'd do it for you. We called out cheaters. We called out bosses. We called out pricks. We called out guards. We called out everything in between. And you'd read out their name. And you'd read out their sin. And then you'd go, you're a pure snake. Pure snake. This caught on. Got a massive cult following. I can't understand to this day why. And it died when I left the nighttime show to go to daytime. I don't know, dear gospel listeners, if it is something that could come back to the podcast. I don't know would it have the same kick or je ne sais quoi as it had on nighttime radio. But I will leave it to you, dear gospel listener. Have a think. 
Is there somebody in your life that's a pure snake? Snake. That could do the calling out. That is the gospel according to Ashton from Kilmacrennan. Delivered by Dave Duke. Go in love. To serve and love the Lord. Thanks be to the podcast. On that note, we will finish today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Shitting at overseas sessions. Still loving DJing. Privileged to live this life. Give it five stars. Like Ashton from Kilmacrennan on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to. And we will catch up again. Take it, savage. Handy! (laughs) 